residing deep within Happy Valley in central Pennsylvania. Here is your host, Michael Lanny. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the next episode of the Hunger for Hannibal podcast. So we're now in the second week of the show, and it's been fantastic. I'm sitting in my apartment in the room where I record, and it has been absolutely frigid outside. Um, it's been one hellish winter. I can't, I can't tell you. If you haven't lived in the Northeast United States, if you haven't, uh, if you don't have relatives or family members, or just know about how brutal the winters can be up here, they can be brutal. And uh, this this winter has been exceptional, even by those standards. So, I'm looking forward to the the days coming quite soon where um, we're not going to have to deal with the snow. Uh, we'll have to deal with the icy cold winds as I'm trying to you know, get to my car, you know, from work, get to my car to get to work. Um, you know, we had, we had days here where the temperatures were in the negatives. Uh, so it's been, it's been harsh, and I'm really looking forward to the warm weather. So, uh... Not too much going on with me lately. Um, you know, we uh, we've been working. I've been working hard at work. It's been it's been pretty crazy there. Actually, there's been uh, some big developments where I work, and so it's kind of been keeping me and uh, everybody that you know I work with, you know, a bit on edge because we know that that big changes are probably going to be coming. And so, you know, it it's kind of makes for, in a good way, by the way, you know, not a bad way, but it, you know, it makes for a fun, yet scary, in a way, uh, atmosphere at the moment because big things have been happening for us. And, and uh, anytime that you bring change and, and possibly big change, uh, especially in a workplace, it, it takes a while to get used to it so uh again I, and, and by the way i apologize for not getting this podcast out quicker i i know last week that i mentioned that i wanted to get the um the podcast out uh quicker this week uh weekends just happen to be difficult for me because uh, i work on the weekends which um you know i get home after after i work i get home and you know you get you get busy with some stuff you have to take care of and it kind of can limit the amount of time that I have to to get to the podcast because I have to do you know prep work you know I gotta um I don't get to watch the episode on on Friday I have to to watch it when I get home on on Saturday and and then I'll, I'll jot down some notes and things and uh but it's probably not until Sunday, really, where I have some free time that I can sit and devote to um, really examining the episode in greater detail and, and really um, giving my, my thoughts a little more uh, scope. So, you know, but I'd like to get these um, podcast episodes out on Mondays if if I can in the future. I'm not going to... Um, guarantee it because I don't want to do that but um, hopefully you know that if you're listening to this podcast to your delight you'll you'll get a podcast episodes more regularly on Mondays because I know that you know you've just watched the episode a few a couple days earlier and you want to get uh, the podcast so that you can you know listen to the thoughts that I have and hopefully listen to the thoughts that uh, you know I get from from feedback. So anyway, without further ado, um, let's crack on and get right to the recap. You're listening to the Hungry for Hannibal podcast. 
All right, so the episode this week is called Sakizuki, and it is written by Jeff Fleming and Brian Fuller, and it's directed by Tim Hunter. So we start out with the latest episode. All right, so we started out with the latest episode, precisely where we left off, uh, from the season's premiere with our victim Umber screaming as he realizes the kind of hell he's in. He knows he's going to die if he stays there so he rips the skin and the flesh off of his own body in an attempt to pull himself away from the other poor victims in the eye mural. Before I go any further I have to say that my threshold for this kind of thing is, is pretty high but even I had a hard time watching uh, the kind of the pain, the fear, and the horror that, that Umber was experiencing. I, I can't even imagine being in a position where I would have to, you know, rip the stitches out of the skin that's, that's holding me to other people um, and, and to my own body parts to myself and rip the flesh off my, my own skin because that's all, that's all I could do to... That's what I have to do to escape. I mean, that, it's just terrible. Anyway, so Umber does escape, and he he's unfortunately seen by the orchestrator of, of his hellish prison inside the silo. And uh, the orchestrator of this, the killer... Uh, sees him, he's just coming back, he's in his truck. He jumps out, grabs his gun, and there's this really tense scene where Umber and this the killer are kind of playing hide-and-seek in the cornfields. And uh, the lights get turned off, and Umber makes a run for it, and he comes to the edge of a cliff. And he looks down over the cliff, and it, it's a far... It's a far drop. It's a couple hundred feet, probably. And he knows that he could jump and possibly die, or he can stay where he's at and get get put back in the mural and mural and probably be killed in the process. And I, and I can't imagine having to make that decision either, but he does, and he jumps. It's it's the best chance he has. It's a slim chance, but it's the best. Unfortunately, things don't work out for him. He cracks his head on the way down off of uh, some sharp rocks, and he's probably dead instantly, and he's he's dead when he hits the water, and the water carries him downstream. It, it's a terrible fate, poor soul. Okay, so next we see Will... Uh, talking to Alana and, and Hannibal, he's contrite. He says he's afraid of the thought that he committed the terrible crimes, but he's almost as, uh, almost as much afraid of the thought that he could be blaming Hannibal for them. Hannibal offers to help Will, who then breaks down and appears to be ready to accept uh, Hannibal's help. This is a lot, of course, and it's marvelous acting by uh, Dancy and, of course, by extension, Will himself. For the first time, we see Will become as manipulative as Hannibal usually is. He sees a chink in Hannibal's armor, and it's, it's Hannibal's desire to have a connection with Will. So, he's exploiting that weakness and possibly using it as a way to lull Hannibal into a false sense of security. In the next scene, we get a really great one, and it's with uh, Bedelia, Dr. Dumarier. Um, when she goes to Hannibal's office in an attempt to break things off, I'll, uh, I'll let you listen to to this scene and uh, I'll comment after we're done. The 
what a pleasant surprise. Please, sit down. I won't be staying long. I'm curious what couldn't wait until our next session. We don't have a next session. I am no longer your therapist. May I ask why? I have reached the limit of my efficacy. I don't believe I can help you. Are you giving me a referral? No. I am simply ending our patient-psychiatrist relationship. You tried to end it before. I am grateful for your persistence in engaging me after my attack. However, in light of everything that has happened with Will Graham, I have begun to question your actions, particularly your past actions with regards to me and my attack. Did you share these questions with Jack Crawford? No. And nor will I. I would look just as guilty as you. But perhaps that is what you intended. What exactly am I guilty of? Exactly, I cannot say. I've had to draw a conclusion based on what I glimpsed through the stitching of the person suit that you wear. And the conclusion that I've drawn is that you are dangerous. I'm sorry you feel that way. Please don't come to my home again. I will see myself out. I'm resuming Will Graham's therapy. To what end? Besides your own? He asked for my help. And maybe you deserve each other. You know, the only negative thought that I had after watching this scene is that if I really feared that Hannibal was as dangerous as, as obviously, uh, you know, she does, the last thing that I would want to do would be to go to his place of work where he's by himself. I would think that a phone call or something, uh, a letter, an, a mailed letter possibly, could have broken off the engagement. I just think she took a big risk by going there to confront him and let him know in person. Of course, on the flip side, you have to remember, Hannibal doesn't like rudeness, and so maybe the thought of being rude to Hannibal might provoke uh, an attack or some reaction that would be even worse than by just going and simply taking the chance of telling Hannibal himself. That's the only reason I can think of that going to Hannibal to let him know that you're not going to be his therapist anymore is, is a good idea. So maybe maybe that was the, the overriding factor for Bedelia. I also love the comments that uh, she makes about Hannibal and uh, seeing the glimpses through the stitching of the person's suit that he wears. I think that um, it's such a wonderful line and hopefully the writing is as good on crisis as is as good on crisis as it's been good on Hannibal and um, the fall which by the way is, is another show you should really uh, take a chance and give it a watch because it is uh, fantastic as well and I think it's only 
yeah, I think there's only like five episodes for that show, but yeah, Gillian or Gillian Anderson has had um, some really great writing over the last uh, couple of projects. So I'm just hoping that Crisis employs some writers who can give her the same quality that Brian Fuller and his writing staff have been able to supply her. Okay, so um, after that, we see Hannibal's sense of smell come into play when he picks up on the uh, pollen from the cornfields that are in the cracks of Umber's skin because you remember um, with the, the resin on the, on the skin uh, that he was sprayed with and uh, you know with the other bodies that were injected with uh, with uh, the stuff that I, I can't remember what exactly it was off the top of my head just pulling a blank here but anyway the, the skin looks cracked like, like a painting an old, an old, old painting that you know you would have seen in, you know, some art museum. So Hannibal was able to smell the, the pollen from the cornfields, and so it gives him um, a good idea as to where, the, the place of this, of all these killings are being done. I've been advised to stay on this side of the line. Select patients have taken to urinating on the therapists. I would argue drawing a line might encourage a pissing contest. I'm not interested in a pissing contest with you, Dr. Lecter. Please pull up your chair. You said the light from friendship won't reach us for a million years. That's how far away we are. I hope our friendship feels closer today. Friends have a symmetrical relationship. Psychiatrist and patient, that's unbalanced. There is a power differential between psychiatrist and patient. One that I'm well aware of, particularly with my own therapist. But we're just having conversations. You threatened me with the reckoning. I did. You were searching for something in your head to incriminate me. I can only assume you didn't find it. There's not much in there I recognize. Whatever you remember, if you do remember, will be a distortion of reality, not the truth of events. I'm realizing that. Beverly Katz has come to see you. Wouldn't want Alana Bloom to worry about you dwelling on anything morbid in what's to be a time of recovery. It's the only thing that feels normal. The violence. The structure of understanding the violence. You're missing pieces of yourself. Careful what you replace them with. What did you see in the pictures? This killer. He's not stringing his victims up. He's stitching them together. Each body is a brushstroke. It's making a human mural. Why does he do it? He's missing pieces too. Stay in touch with Michael between episodes by going to the podcast Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash hungry for Hannibal. Or catch him on Twitter at Hungry for Hannibal. That's at Hungry, the number four, Hannibal. So after that, Hannibal meets Will, and and again in this scene, you can see that Hannibal was and is skeptical, maybe, but it seems that in this meeting, there's almost a, like a solidifying in his belief that Will is realizing his memories are distorted, that um, they're incorrect, and I think Will now understands that getting one up on Hannibal requires him to be more devious uh, and more slippery than he's ever been. So I guess it's feign regret and ask for help and forgiveness 
and that's what Will is, is kind of doing right now. He's playing the game. You know, last season, it's like Hannibal and Will were playing the game, but Will didn't even realize the game was was being played at the time. And so, you know, Hannibal had the upper hand on every single occasion. But now it's Will's turn. With a mind that isn't um, being inflamed by encephalitis, he's now has the opportunity, despite being in prison, to really show what he can do with a mind that isn't being hampered and limited. So Beverly visits Will and again and asks for his help. Um, she needs help in, in being pointed in the right direction of the silo, which of course is where Hannibal is right now, wearing his wonderful plastic suit over his real suit. And you have to wonder, on such a hot day, and it looks brutally hot out there, and he doesn't have a pair of jeans, which, yeah, I know, it's Hannibal, so he doesn't, but something that isn't a suit, because you're wearing that plastic suit over your regular suit. Can you, can you imagine how brutally hot he would be? He would be, it would, I'd be roasting in, in that. I probably would die in a suit like that easily. So anyway, he climbs the silo and he gets to the top and he peers down in and views the eye mural for, that we saw uh, last week from the, the same perspective that he's looking now. And you could tell, you know, he's impressed by what this so-called um, artist has produced. One of the, the darkly funny moments of the episode happened when the artist opened up the door and, and dragged in the body of um, the person who obviously is going to be replacing Umber in the center of the mural. And Hannibal calmly says, Hello. And, you know, the, the killer, the artist, looks up and Hannibal says, something to the effect of, you know, I love your work. I think it actually might be the, the words he says, I love your work. And he just says it, like, casually, like he's out on a Sunday stroll and he happened to be walking by somebody and... and just said something. It, it's, it was just funny the way he went about it. There's just no holding back with Hannibal in the way he is. And even in that situation, it, there's no fear. Because he, he doesn't feel like he has anything to fear. So he can say something that calmly to someone who's obviously very dangerous and, and not feel worried. So anyway, after he praises the killer, or while he's praising the killer, continuing, um, he's actually putting the killer in the mural himself. And uh, then we get Will helping Beverly. Or no, sorry, let me say that again. Um, Will's helping Beverly gets Jack and company to the silo, uh, maybe within a couple of hours of Hannibal killing the mural artist. You can see that Hannibal is frustrated, I think. At least that's what I picked up on. Uh, maybe he simply wanted more time to admire the work uh, before the silo was found. But I have to imagine that he knew that somehow, some way, they were going to find out. Um, and Beverly was going to go back to Will. So maybe, maybe he kind of knew that it was going to be coming sooner rather than later but still I just got this sense of frustration from his character as they you know went back or he came to the scene of well one of his crimes and uh, it's just the look on his face just just didn't look particularly overjoyed at the moment so then Dr. Dumouriez lets Jack know that she's recusing herself in the matters involving Will Graham and especially Hannibal Lecter. And uh, to me, she almost seemed to be telling Jack exactly how dangerous Lecter is without really saying the words. So I, I, I just got 
I just got this weird sense, almost like she was silently pointing Jack in the direction of of Hannibal without really saying exactly that Hannibal was and is a dangerous person. There just seems to be a lot of subtext in, in the things that she was saying in that scene. So Beverly and Hannibal visit Will. Beverly needs Will to look at the, the scene again via the pictures. Will sees the pictures of the mural with the killer in repose. So he flashes to the scene with himself at the center of the room. He's standing there and he's talking. And when he looks up to the top of the silo, he sees the black horned man, which of course is Hannibal, staring down at him. He then sees Hannibal sewing Will, who is now in the place of the killer, and he then jerks awake, and you can tell that he's shaken and maybe even a bit relieved that that even though this is not an exact memory, he's he's still seeing Hannibal where the killer would have been who killed the artist and he think he knows at that point that Hannibal is the one that did the deed, and um, maybe it's resolved him to maybe even work a little bit harder on getting out of prison. So then we get Cabe Purnell. She comes to see Will, and basically gives him an ultimatum. You know, the big picture involving his soon-to-be trial. You know, um, and Will just isn't having anything of it. Uh, he's sticking to his story, and he's not going to accept a plea deal. So I was I like this scene because it it showed Will again standing up to somebody, but it, standing up to somebody that isn't Hannibal, which is nice to see. So later we see Will in his cell. He's sitting and he's staring blankly. You know, he's in his mind palace. He's fishing like he's been doing a lot lately, I'm sure. Any moment that he's not talking to somebody, he's probably in his mind palace. And uh, he's there, and he's fly fishing, and then all of a sudden he sees these dead bodies floating down past him in the stream under the, under the water. And uh, the doors suddenly open, there's a clang, and he kind of jerks awake, and you hear footsteps. And lo and behold, you're thinking, okay, this could be, you know, this could be anybody. It, it sounds like a female, so it's probably going to be, you know, Alana, possibly Beverly. And instead, we get Dr. Bedelia Dumarie. So she's standing there, just looking at him, and he, he doesn't know who she is. And, I mean... It, he, you know, she knows who he is, of course, but he has no idea. So then she, she says that she's heard so much about him that she had to come and see him. They talk a little bit about, you know, Will being strong enough to make it through what he's going through right now, and to make it on the out, you know, on the outside once he gets out. And you know, they talk a little bit about what Hannibal has done to him. But then she starts to step closer to the bars, and the guards are, you know, warning her. There's repeated warning warnings, but she continues to step forward, and Will does the same. They meet together at the bars, and she whispers, I believe you. The final scene has Hannibal back in his plastic suit. He's kind of slithering. At least that's what it seemed like to me. He kind of just opens the door uh, into some place very quietly, kind of slithers in, and we realize that it's the uh, home of Bedelia. And um, he walks in the room, and, and everything's dark, and he realizes she's been long gone. Her home is empty, and with the exception of a few pieces of furniture that are covered in fabric, uh, that's all there is left of her home and her practice. But as a kind of parting gift, 
Hannibal sees a bottle of perfume sitting on the couch. He picks it up, he smells it, and he smiles. Is that the smile of a person who's kind of said, touche, you know, you managed to get away, good job. I didn't uh, think you would, but it seems like you have. I, I like to think so. Well, I don't believe we're going to be seeing Bedelia anytime soon. I, I do think that we're going to see her down the road. If the show manages to get picked up for future seasons, I think we could bank on seeing Bedelia back at some point. How? Don't know. No idea. But maybe she'll be back, and that's, you know, that'll be the time when Hannibal does kill her. Alright, so that's the uh, that's the recap of the episode. Um, so, just give you some thoughts, some random thoughts that I had. Okay, so I had this thought during the episode, and the question was, what is it going to cost Will's soul or his psyche in doing what is necessary to get himself out of prison? Now think about it. I mean, given how much this show is invested in deeper questions, I, I can't imagine that this won't come out, come out to play at some point in the future. I was reminded of a line from from Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight when, when Bruce Wayne says, I see now what I have to become to stop men like him. Now, ethically and morally, Batman blurred and crossed lines to bring the Joker down. And no, he didn't cross his, his one big line, but he did cross some other lines in, in order to bring him uh, down. And so it makes you wonder what, what lines... Are Will, is Will going to blur what lines is Will going to cross in his effort to both clear his name and bring Hannibal down? If things get worse for him in prison, if the stakes get bigger, could Will sacrifice a friend? Would he do it? And would he be willing to live with it if it means his freedom and getting revenge is it possible that there might be a point where Will is so fixed on revenge that nobody and nothing matters to him anymore including Alana and I wonder also at how much Hannibal might think that Will is attempting to manipulate him and I know we talked about this a little bit earlier sometimes I think he guesses that Will is, is trying to manipulate him and at other times it's almost like he's got his old friend back you know I, I don't know I like this episode a lot actually this episode like most episodes of Hannibal it was dense with a lot of psychological ramifications there were um, horrifying scenes that we've we've grown accustomed to seeing on the show but it pushed the characters forward on their journey uh, in the last two weeks we've witnessed Will go from a helpless prisoner innocent of his crimes to someone ready to fight back and it looks like he's ready for it it almost looks like he's itching for it actually I found the killer to be suitably twisted and Although I would love to know how Hannibal killed him, considering that the killer had a gun, I thought that the I thought that the killing, the the mural, um, the tableau, was really fantastic. It was um, inspired and and quite wonderful. I think that uh, Cade Purnell is um, not not much of a character right now. We don't know anything about about her. She's only had a couple of scenes. The actress um, that plays her and the character, they've only had a couple of scenes. So, it's early. I understand. I'm just hoping that we see more of her in the future, in the near future, and I'd like to see some Q 
character development from her, from her. But um, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. I didn't really have any. I didn't really have anything big this week, as well as with most weeks on Hannibal. I really don't haven't had anything bad to say. Uh, if they keep up the kind of form they're currently in, with a combination of you know horrifying scenes and continuing to push great character development, I can see this show continuing to evolve you know, into um, maybe one of the two or three best shows on television, period. You know? So, um, that's my recap for the week. And uh, we'll move on to feedback here in just a minute. Okay, so we're here for the feedback portion of the podcast. Okay, so um, I only have one bit of feedback so far this week, and it's from Jason in Pennsylvania, and he writes, Hi, Mike. Why do you think that Hannibal killed the man responsible for making the disgusting eye mural? Wouldn't he have wanted to assist him to help continue his great work, a work that he is clearly impressed by? Well, Jason, that's a a really good question. I, I don't know that I have a specific answer for it, to be honest, because I can only assume that the reason that Hannibal killed him is that maybe he knew that he was going to be caught, and rather than let this person be caught, uh, he was going to make use of him. And maybe he wanted to get into the artist's shoes, maybe be able to have a chance at, um, you know, becoming part of, of the great work that he's doing. So hopefully, you know, I think that Hannibal wanted to step into this this person's shoes, kind of like he was stepping into Will Graham's shoes the last couple of weeks by giving uh, himself an opportunity to be someone else. So I don't know if there's a clearly defined answer, but I think that's probably what I think. And of course, you know, if he has an opportunity to kill somebody and you know, take some meat home. I, I certainly don't think he's going to complain about that either, as we saw in that scene. Um, I commented, I think, before early in the podcast that I, I would never want to eat human flesh, but if it looked as good as Hannibal prepared it, I, I think I might even be willing to take a bite. So, um, all right, so that's it for, that's the, for the done for the feedback portion of the podcast. And so we'll move on to the final word next. Looking to contribute to the podcast? Send an MP3 file or email to hungryforhannibal at gmail.com. Okay, so here for the final word this week, I decided that I wanted to talk a little bit about fan expectations for a show, um, especially when it comes to finales. And the reason I bring this up is because of uh, the True Detective finale, and you, you may have seen it, you may have not, you may have, I'm sure you've at least heard about it, if nothing else. So, I want to give a um, spoiler warning in the event that you haven't had a chance to watch it, because it's one of those shows that you just need to, to really take it all in, and I don't want anybody anything to ruin anybody's uh, watching of the show, so I'll give you a chance to turn it off if you haven't watched it, or you at least haven't watched the finale. Once you're done, you know, if you feel like you want to come back and listen to this, you can. Because I will be talking a little bit about it, and there might be some, some spoiler stuff that comes out. Okay, so after the finale, which I watched, um... I thought the, the I thought the finale for True Detective was really great, actually. One of the better finales I've seen in quite a while. But in getting online and kind of seeing what other people were saying about it, there were a lot of people that loved it, but then there was also a fair amount of people that, that didn't like it. They were really disappointed. 
in the finale, which it's the finale for season one, and I kind of thought that it was crazy. There's so much passion and so, but so much anger because it didn't end the way that people wanted it to end. I guess part of that has to do with the fact that that we're not going to see these characters again. So it's not like we are going to see them in season two or season three. Since it's an anthology series, that's it. So maybe it's because the resolution that they wanted didn't come for this particular story, and we're not going to be seeing it again. But, but moving on a little bit to, to why I feel like at this day and age we've set ourselves up to be disappointed a lot more than maybe in years past. I think the first thing that comes to mind is uh, social media and the internet in general. You know, you can get on the internet and look around at any number of theories for whatever show you're watching. And with fans constantly uh, theorizing and sharing these theories over social media, I think it's caused us to only be happy with whatever ending we came up with and liked or whatever ending that we we read online and liked. You know, you could have read something and said, oh, wow, that's that's fantastic. I love that theory. That, that's got to be how they do it. I mean, that, how could you not pick that? That's perfect. And inevitably unless you get a stroke of luck and, and that's kind of how it plays out, you're going to feel disappointed because you've gotten your hopes up for that particular theory. And it seems like everybody wants a twist ending now, you know, or, or they want or they want something that's completely out of left field, something that just shocks them and, and they stand up and go, okay, that was audacious, which I love audacious. I think it's great, but not every story, not every great story has to end with an ending like like that, like an audacious crazy, out of complete left field ending that makes you, you stand up and go, that was crazy but awesome and because you have to realize the ending that you're getting is often preceded by the content that we've watched before it and you've got to really pay attention to some shows because the content that you're you've watched before the finale, it it can really inform the direction of where the show might go in the finale if if you don't know the specific things that might happen. You know, for instance, and um, uh, like I said, with the spoiler warning, don't go any any further. But you know, with with the the battle in the end of of the True Detective finale, you know, the way it ended, you know, it seemed kind of crazy. It was a battle versus good and evil. And for all of the crazy stuff that we heard all throughout the season, even with the tone that we got with the final battle, which almost seemed like you yeah, have this mythical battle between Marty and, and Rust versus uh, the Yellow King, I mean... It was, it was still all about the characters. You know, were there some things that were, that were kind of left and dropped a bit from previous episodes? Yes, there was. Um, do I wish they would have followed up on some of that stuff? Yeah, that, that probably would have been great, but honestly, I've known since I watched the first two episodes that this show was going to center almost exclusively on these two characters and that everything that we're seeing is simply setting the time and place and their personalities and all the hardships that they have to go through in order to get to the end regardless of what that end might be and so with with the two of them, you know, living at the end, but they've suffered greatly. They've suffered in a way they'll never forget what they've gone through and what they've suffered in order to destroy this this awful, evil, terribly twisted person. But then you got character moments at the end. That's see, that's what was so great about it, is the character moments. 
the things that, that mattered. Masks finally being dropped. Realizing that some of what, what Rust, and maybe a lot of what Rust was saying for all these years was just bullshit. And that it was a mask to keep people away because he couldn't get close to anybody ever again. He didn't want to feel that pain anymore. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to kind of quit there. I don't want to get into a big review here. It's it's not really the time and place for that. It's obviously, we're talking about the Hannibal podcast here. But, but anyway, on to uh, continuing the conversation. Serialized TV has given us um, novels in in the form of television. You know, like any any great book, we devour and devote time to it, and we need and we want the ending to be great because we want to feel like the four hundred pages that we've you know um, dedicated our time to or the seven hours of television that we watched um, was worth it and we feel entitled to have that great ending and if we don't get it then we get pissed I think with True Detective you fell into either one of two camps and this actually probably is the exa- it follows the exact same um idea with Lost same question you you found well, not question but the same statement you, you found to one of two camps you either were invested in the mythology of the show and that became very very important to you or you were invested in the characters and that you realized that if you gained anything from the mythology that was great but what you wanted was the characters that was what was important and so I think that's where the people online are, are divided. The people that, that didn't like the finale were people that wanted things answered. Things to have you know more detail go into them. The mytholo- mythology aspect of the show. And the people that loved it or really enjoyed it were people who were focused on the characters. And the mythology, while cool, wasn't really all that important to them. You see, the Dora Lang case was a framing device, and everything that really came down to these guys, it was how their lives began to bottom out when that case began, and how hard it's been on them over the years, and the effect that it's, they've had on each other's lives, but also the effect of the absence that Rust and Marty have had over the years. When, they, when things didn't make they split up and kind of went their own ways so I think with with finales with TV shows I think we're at a time where we just feel like we deserve exactly what we deserve and we do to a point and if you watch the Dexter finale there isn't you know probably a more vocal critic than, than me with how, how terrible it was and, and how it followed a terrible season. And I'm sure there are people out there that did enjoy it, but I think 90% of the fandom hated it. And, you know, that's our opinion. That it's, it's also... It also has to be understood that we are a passionate group when you get on the internet and you look at your fans we have expectations but at the same time I think the fans have to understand that as great as our expectations are there comes a point when we have to realize that we're looking for perfection where perfection isn't and if someone manages to pull off that great ending fantastic but just you have to be happy in, in some respect that what you're getting is the best that can be offered so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that I, I know with finales and with TV shows in general but definitely with finales there are harsh critics and you don't get harsher than your fans and um, you know hopefully with Hannibal 
as it continues along its journey. I, I hope we get great, you know, season finales and, and when the day comes and hopefully it's far off when the series finale comes, we will all get the, the ending that we are looking for. But if it isn't exactly what we're looking for, just realize that, you know, sharing your theories and picking up new theories and settling on, on only one possible ending that there could be to make you happy is going to make you miserable. Unless, you know, because it's, cause it's a good chance it just won't happen. And so I think that stands for really any TV show out there. Okay, so that's it. That's the final word for the week. And um, it's been a great, a great week. Uh, like I said, I'll try to get the next episode out as soon as I can. Um, hopefully by Monday. I will do the best that I can. And uh, just uh, can't wait till the next episode and uh, to be able to share my thoughts and my feelings and the thoughts and feelings of um, the listeners who send in feedback uh, to you, the listeners. So until then, I hope you'll be hungry for more Hannibal next week. <laughs>